So what was your reaction when you first explored a data center? The first person experience was wow and whoa. Like I said, I'm 6'2", and all the servers out there, my height and taller. And I'm like, okay, you're just going to have rows and rows and rows of these things? Like, <laughs> this is really a giant computer for real. It, it, was, it was amazing. It was amazing. This is Where the Internet Lives, a show about the unseen world of data centers and the people who keep them running. I'm Stephanie Wong, and I'm your guide through the physical spaces that make up the internet. This season, we're exploring those spaces alongside the folks who actually design, build, and operate them. People like Kenny K.P. Philpot. Do you want to go by K.P. during this, or do you want to go by Kenny? Um, it's up to you, really. Uh, it doesn't matter either way to me. Sure. Okay. So I'll just go with Kenny. (laughs) (laughs) Modern data centers are like small cities. Cities filled with warehouse-scale computers, miles of pipes and cables, and colossal equipment to keep everything running. Kenny Philpot makes sure that vast infrastructure and the technicians, electricians, and mechanical engineers who make it hum are safe. Ultimately, if I had to explain it to my seven-year-old son, I'd tell him that, you know, I make sure that mommies and daddies get back home to their children every day. Kenny is an environmental health and safety program manager at Google's Douglas County Data Center, located just outside Atlanta, Georgia. It's the kind of job that surprises people when Kenny describes what he does. Why does a giant collection of computers require a team of health and safety experts? I'm like, well, this information is not just, you know, (laughs) producing itself and maintaining itself. Um, It's a lot of components. It's a lot of moving parts for you to have the accessibility to information that you have. He means literal moving parts. All around those computers are chillers, fans, cooling towers, generators, high-voltage power cables. It takes city-sized infrastructure to keep city-sized computers running. And that requires very careful attention to the places where humans and machines meet. Data centers are very safe, thanks to people like Kenny. But he always needs to think about worst-case scenarios. Yeah, no, the stakes are... um... That can be very high depending on your scope of work. You know, we deal with a lot of electricity. So ultimately, one of the highest states is fatality, electrical shock. We have people just uh, repairing servers and different things like that. Have a lot of ergonomic issues and pinch points and crushing points and things like that. So, you know, uh, loss of limb. That's not something you get from a normal right, office job. No, not at all. <laughs> Those stakes may be too high pressure for some people but Kenny thrives under pressure. He's a former professional football player who played in front of tens of thousands of people. And he grew up on the South side of Chicago where safety was always on his mind. Oh boy, Uh, growing up South side of Chicago, uh, pretty eventful. You know, I grew up in an area that was uh, heavy with gangs, gang violence, everything that came with it. A great day of, of having fun and playing outside can turn into uh, a tragic day, you know, in a moment's time. Kenny witnessed his first murder when he was six years old. A man was slain in the street 30 feet away from him. And as a teenager, he would sometimes get stopped by police and sent over to dangerous gang territory. They'd just pick us up off the street, put us in the back of the squad car, take us to the opposite gang neighborhood, tell those guys that what neighborhood we're from and drive off. We just 
make it back home. Sometimes some of us didn't make it back home. I, th- I just feel like I've seen it all. Kenny cared about school, but it was difficult to care. Classrooms might have 30 kids using only seven textbooks with half the pages missing. That lack of resources and the instability around Kenny pushed his life education in a different direction. We would never talk the fairy tale life. You know, from day one, I'm uh, I'm one of 29 grandchildren. And you know, our grandparents always prepared us for the real world, period. How we was going to be looked at, how we was going to be perceived, what to expect, what what to do, what not to do, how to conduct ourselves. Um, yeah, the, the, the fairy tale dream, man, was, that was never part of uh, my upbringing. Yeah. You know, it was take care of business, take care of your family, you know, take care of each other at all costs. You didn't have the option of being sheltered. Our parents had to go to work, you know, they had to prepare us for what might be. Kenny had another anchor at home, sports. His mother was a professional sprinter who toured the country with greats like Jesse Owens and Wilma Rudolph. His father played all-state football, basketball, and baseball, and he eventually took a job as a high school football coach. So I was I just been around the game um, since a little kid. Athletics came naturally for me. Kenny started playing football in the seventh grade. He played for a year. But then he grew too big to qualify for the junior league, so he had to wait until high school to play. Kenny's size and speed made him a natural athlete, and his performance earned him a football scholarship at Eastern Michigan University. And yeah, that was that was a turning point of, of my life, and that's you know how football got me out of Chicago. Kenny broke records in three different NCAA categories, which landed him in the NFL with the Detroit Lions. He played with the Lions for two seasons and the Buffalo Bills for another season. It wasn't until I actually made the roster that I was just like, all right, I'm in the NFL. Just coming from where I come from, if it wasn't a scholarship, it wasn't no college. It was go get get a job, go figure something else out. So uh, being able to run fast and hit hard definitely played the biggest part of my life to I can contribute to why I'm still here today. Uh, with my environment, had I not been able to play football to the level that I could, I would probably be dead or in jail at this point in my life. After leaving the NFL, Kenny and his wife and daughter settled back in Chicago. He was more financially comfortable. He'd lived a dream, but he felt himself stagnating in his old neighborhood, not sure what to do next. You know, everyone I knew was still there. I had too much time on my hands. I'm back in shootings are happening and people are getting killed and I'm seeing it and I'm just looking like, wait, I made it out of here. Like, why am I back? You know, like, I, I don't I don't have to be here, but I'm here. And, you know, when, when it's your comfort zone and when it's what you know, because that's all I had ever known. I, I, I went from there to college to, you know, a choice in the NFL and it's back to the comfort zone once the football was over. Like, you know, I had never done anything else and I had to figure it out. And it was just that call came at the right time. and It was just time to go. That call was from a former college teammate. He ran operations for a construction company down in South Carolina. They needed a safety manager. And, you know, me, I've never been on the construction side of my life. I had no idea what he was talking about. <laughs> but I was back in an environment in Chicago. And I felt like the walls were closing in again. 
and it w- it was time for me to go. So I just said, cool. We had this conversation on Tuesday. I had the conversation with my wife that night, and that Saturday I was on a plane to South Carolina going to, on the construction site. His first job, building a federal nuclear facility. So I actually went out there and... uh. Got on the tools with the, with the guys and poured and placed and raked concrete. That was some work. Like, jeez. <laughs> it took me about six months to be done with that. <laughs> <laughs> so Kenny put down the concrete rake and picked up his pen. He applied to certification programs. And after eight months of training, he became a health and safety manager. Planning tasks, crew kind of just looking at it from a safety aspect hazard identification and mitigation, things like that. So I want to talk now a bit about data centers because this is clearly not how you started. (laughs) You started construction at a nuclear facility, which maybe is a little similar in some ways to a data center. The only similarity for me was both both of them were foreign. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I I have to hear about this experience for you. I mean, you have gone through so many different environments. Yeah. So how did you first hear about data centers? I was working for a general contractor as a safety manager, and we actually built the building that I'm sitting in now. So I initially came to Google as a contractor. When I got the job, they had just started this project. So naturally, I'm asking, what are we building? They said a data center. I'm like, ah, Okay. <laughs> what are those? <laughs> <laughs> Center of so, data. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um simplest explanation to me was uh don't you know when you Google things? Well, this is where the information is stored. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, all right. Like I said, at that point I was still in the construction aspect of it. I wasn't worried about the operations of a data center at that point. By this time, Kenny had been working as a safety manager for nearly a decade. And when a job opened up on the environmental health and safety team at Google, inside the data center he'd helped build, he jumped on it. The job added environmental to his list of health and safety responsibilities. That means keeping track of all the cooling, electricity, and water treatment systems inside the data center and making sure they meet the cleanest standards. But with that comes a permit and permit limits. Yeah, I mean, it's not just about the facility itself. It's the protocol the systems and whether people are adhering to them. And the sustainability of of the company, period. So there's a lot of pressure on your job, on other managers of the facility, of the people who are doing other jobs. So how do you manage the stress that comes from that? It's a little different for me. I've been in so many worse situations that I know, you know, I'm going to get through this just because uh, grandfather used to always say, main thing, don't panic. You know, and just, I kind of carry that today. Like, all right, I've, I've, I've seen this before, you know, or I've seen worse before, so there's no need to panic. Let me just stop, take a deep breath, get it figured out. My mother passed away when I was 19. If I could survive that, the rest of the stuff is a cakewalk. <laughs> My father, he called me. She's like, son, your mother gone, my wife is gone. I have an eight-year-old daughter with cerebral palsy that I have no idea what to do with. You got to go and be a man. So I'm always here for you to call me, but you got to go be a man. And, you know, so just from, from that point on, you know, it's I've had to figure it out. 
figure it out. It's what Kenny had to do as a kid when the police dropped him off in rival gang territory or when his mom passed away too young or when he left professional football and rebuilt his career. He's also figuring out his role as a black man in an industry where only a few percent of people look like him. Biggest thing for me is conducting myself in these walls, not to offend nobody, not to scare anybody. Me being in, in objection to an issue is perceived way differently than some of my non-black counterparts. And just as a black man, it's like when you walk in a room and you see no more of you in a room, it's like, all right, let me not embarrass myself while at the same time prove that I belong in this room. Google wants everyone to feel that they have a place in the room. That's why Kenny became a co-lead of the Black Googler Network, to help uphold Google policies related to harassment and discrimination and ensure other Black Googlers in the data center world flourish. And to bring the message back home to kids like him, who may not yet know there's a place for them where the internet lives. My vision is to make Google as comfortable as space for Black people as possible. Nobody knows in the Black community what a, a, a data center Operation Tech is. That information is not shared in our community. Mm -hmm. Within the Google space, there are countless positions. And, and part of my mission is get that information out there. Get it out there and, and, and get some more people that look like me, myself and my daughters and my wife and get them in the building because it's, it's a great place to work. Do you have any advice for other people who have come from backgrounds or places like yourself? Simplest thing is it's doable. Believe that you can do it. And when you believe that you can do it, then you'll start looking in ways to do it. It's when you stop believing that it can be done, you stop looking for the ways to get it done. So just continue to believe that it's doable and um, push through. It's going to be tough. Whatever you do, not just Google or the data center world, uh, life, period. To get what you want, it's going to be tough. And just keep pushing, push through. Kenny Philpot is an environmental health and safety program manager at Google's data center in Douglas County, Georgia. If you want to learn more about building a career at a data center, click through the link in the show notes. Where the Internet Lives is produced by Postscript Media in collaboration with Google. You can subscribe to the show on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you access your shows. And please give us a rating if you like the series. I'm Stephanie Wong. Thank you for listening. <laughs>